We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 290 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and joining me today to be cranky, to be grumpy, is uh, not, I don't think the crankiest or grumpiest man I know. I think you you play that up yourself a bit, but I think Barcelona deserves some cranky, they deserve some grumpy. It's Kevin Williams. Oh my heavens, Dan, how are you? It was uh, uh, quite a day, huh? Yeah, it's zero zero was, I, I mean, we're trying to create action. We're trying to create talking points, but I think there are enough to get through an entire show because we're basically reviewing this with, with three matches this week with Granada. I mean, people already heard me earlier in the week, you know, two days ago, completely lose my mind on the tactics there. So we're going to do Cadiz today. And then it's on to hopefully Levante, on to Fati and, you know, the next chapter in Barca's history on Sunday. But before that time, we got thunderstorms here. The, the sky is crying. You might hear my, my my new dog in the background. She's not happy about the thunder or the Barca score. I'm not sure what, what's got her so upset, but <laughs> I can, you might be able to hear her in the background here. So apologies. Oh, uh, yeah, no, it's, I mean, it, what's funny is I expected this match exactly. So was not, not at all surprised. I mean, uh, the team, so the season began and they handled uh, Ladial fairly easily, right? I mean, Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, they were missing key personnel, but I mean, so was Barcelona. And it was a 2-0 win that was, you know, smooth and certainly augured well for what we were about to see. And then things fell apart. And it's hard to even identify when and where they fell apart. I mean, it wasn't messy leaving because he was gone. It was just like at some moment and maybe it's something you can pinpoint i mean kuman lost the team and so um uh, depai is moving with less pace less sharpness he's not finishing as well Uh, none of the uh, players are looking like they've met each other uh, before this is a a group that us extensively are trained together and works out together and works on tactics and works on things that should be correcting errors from match up to match and yet the same errors happen i mean they're all soft on the uh, ball there is no commitment uh, there's no energy there's no urgency it looks like a team that has uh, given up on the manager yeah i think there's i'm trying to compare and contrast 
Granada to today. And the, I think the big difference for me is on Monday, uh, on Monday or whatever, yeah, on Monday against Granada, it seemed like there was no direction that, again, as I, I said on the other show, that tactics were completely wrong. There was no idea to break it down. It was all on the feet of, of Serginho Dest to deliver a perfect cross, which is not really what he's ever been able to do. And hopefully he does someday, but to, to put all your hope in that way. And so today there was a lot less crosses, but today felt like it felt sloppier. It felt like for a number of reasons, whether one, I think there's a big difference between get Sergio Busquets out of my team and retire him. And why is he playing 90 minutes every three days? And I thought that's what today was for Busquets. I thought Busquets and De Young, this is going to sound a, lot, a bit odd, but tactically, I thought the midfield, and I don't want to say it's on Roberto, but Gabi, De Young, and Busquets, the spacing was much better on ball retrievals. They were able to recapture the ball, even if they weren't fighting. I mean, Gabi did have more headers this week than Luke De Young. It's a joke that's going to go around. It's going to continue to go around. He had more headers and more 50-50 balls won than a guy double his size. So Gabi fought well, and the midfield just, Space-wise, when they were when they were pushing Cadiz back in that low block, they were winning the ball in the right spots a bit better today than they were against Granada. So I thought the midfield was better, yet the midfield, if they were actually individually better, because I thought De Jong was sloppy with his first touching today. He was yes. taking too many touches today. And that's what led to the first yellow, which unfortunately leads to a bad refereeing decision. And the second yellow, Busquets yeah. also was, his passing today I thought was not sharp at all. And again, he just looks tired. And yeah. that, so it's to me, it seems like, if this, if they gave, well, if they gave this performance against Granada, Barcelona would have lost that game completely <laughs> by yeah. two or three goals. However, if they were as sharp individually as they were against Granada today with that direction, I think that Barca would have got a result. But again, today was sloppy as opposed to what I felt was a lack of direction, which is both of them are bad, but it, I think it's bad in different ways, if, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, I, mean, I so I'll start with the obvious, which is that Sergio Busquets um, should have gotten a gold watch in the summertime. I appreciate his skill on the ball, but I mean, when the opponent has the ball, he can't do anything. And so his midfield mates have to clean up. And Gavi, being young and fearless as he always is, was uh, part of the reason that things looked more coherent uh, today. I mean, I, I uh, had the opportunity to watch uh, Gavi uh, twice live last week uh, while in Barcelona and uh, the B team and then against uh, Bayern. And he was the same player, fearless. Uh, he views when the opponent has the ball as like this, this you know personal attack on him. And it's uh, fantastic to watch. Uh, the other thing that really uh, fascinated me was watching Nico in the B match. Um, how he basically ran the team. He drove the ball. He controlled the middle. He had many runs into the box or the ball at his feet. And he looked a much more complete DM right, right now. And someone who I think would be more reassuring, although he is young, and not entirely ready. I would rather have uh, someone who is not entirely ready, but who can move than someone who is this legend, but who's about as as useful as you or I when the opponent has the ball. And, and that, for me, is the biggest frustration about uh, Kuman and his devotion 
to Busquets. There is no question that he's fan- fantastic on the ball. But, I mean, off the ball, he's a mess. And uh, when he's not uh, passing properly, as he was for almost the entire match uh, today, then he's just, off lack of a better word, a liability. And that's a problem. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on Nico in that of what of I've watched him for the last year. I mean, he's only learned the pivot position now for about seven months now when he's committed to that position. And he's been, as we've seen, an interior and attacking midfielder when he's come on, even from the, the bench. And as a pivot, even with Barca B, he'll be out of position two or three times per game. But his ability to retrieve the ball is right. And that's what it is, right? It, it, if Barca get beat, on the two or three times when you know that that young player is going to be out of position. But if Araujo cleans up for, for Nico Gonzalez all three times, then it's a, it's a net positive. And it, yeah. it, it's not to disparage Busquets. It's just to say that you're, you're absolutely right, that that rest defense, the thing that Busquets, and this is the thing too, in that rest defense, a boring term that we always talk about, that Busquets is always in the right position, but he physically cannot get to where he needs to be. He's right. always at point A. You, I mean, and that was the issue against Granada, that that Roberto and De Jong and Busquets were all set up where they know to be set up to, for some kind of long clearance or whenever Granada would try to get out of their shell. However, however, they were, that being Roberto as well, Roberto is not fast, fast. He he's, can be quick at times, but he's not fast. So when, when it was on that right side or that being Granada's right wing, when they were able to get a ball cleared just that extra five yards, then Roberto and Busquets just could not recover. And you're getting right. beat in behind because now if De Young, this is the problem too against Granada. If De Young is making that that run in behind, now that whole right side, that being Eric Garcia, who's also not fast, and De Young are oh. completely exposed. And so I, in this game in particular for Cadiz, I was also trying to compare Dest against Granada and Dest against Cadiz. Now there are things that I've spoken about where he needs to improve upon his one v one defending. I, I think it actually gets a bad rap. I think it's actually fine. But his positional sense next to his teammates can be a little haywire sometimes. His crossing is not great either. But you know that all of the talent and all the skill set is there if he can put it all together. But that said, he had, a, he had a different role today on the left wing. He was a bit more hesitant, sure. But I just thought he was cleaner. He was cleaner on the ball. He was a bit cleaner in working with even De Jong and working with Gabi, which is odd to say, right? How Gabi is playing the left interior and Dest and Araujo behind him was just more clean than what you'd expect from Eric Garcia and Frankie de Young and Dest. And I, I think space matters again, too, where Dest knew he always had that coverage with a Rajo behind him. There was always that coverage. And I think that allowed him to pick his spots a lot better today. And he has the technical ability, if given the right direction, to, to be the player that Barcelona needs him to be. More so than what, you know, what Sergio Roberto was for right back for all that time. Yeah. See, I am a grump when it comes to Dest. I don't think that Dest has the mindset, the head, uh, the uh, technical ability, uh, the defensive skill. Um, I, I mean, he wasn't a, a regular starter at Ajax because he wasn't ready. So I don't know what made anybody think he's ready to be a regular starter for Barcelona. And so he is routinely punked uh, when he moves forward. He's, he's uh, routinely uh, dispossessed. Mm-hmm. When he is defending, his mind seems to wander. And this is true on the left or the right. And um, so uh, the other uh, problem with him is he's not a, he's soft. And he's, he gives up, he shrugs, he waits for fouls that don't come. He stops uh, playing when uh, somebody shoves him harder than he thinks he should be shoved. He's just... Right now he's a mess, and uh, part of why he's a mess is because he hasn't 
gotten those fundamentals worked on. He came in, everybody was like, ah, huzzah, young Danny Alves. And, you know, Kuman stuck him right into the X1. And he hasn't improved at all. I mean, you could even say he's a regressed and like the rest of the team. So last year, I felt like um, uh, Kuman had the, the team right up until that second PSG match, right, where they fought uh, really hard yeah. and Navas saved them or they might have once again pulled off Rumantada. And then after that, they seem to be start spiraling downhill. This year, uh, the team is as bad and disconnected as I have seen them. And Dest is one of the most symbolic of that sort of dissolution. I mean, he's just like, there are times his head's not in it. And, it, and so once we consider that none of the fullbacks that um, uh, Barcelona have on the roster are fit for a top level European side, right? That wants to uh, think of itself as a contender for uh, trophies. You start uh, looking at who's the least bad. It is a criminal to me that um, uh, Jordi Alba is still the best fullback on that roster, right? Because he's done for, he's a mess. And, and but I mean, they sold Emerson, uh, who was going on his own learning uh, curve over at um, Tottenham. Um, and is not known anybody would uh, think of as sparkling. They jettisoned Firpo, who, you know, left a, a broken man. Same with Semedo. Um, and now your best uh, defensive fullback is uh, Mingesa. And that's, Easy. I mean, it's, it's yep. it, right, like, far and away. And so you then have to decide what you want to do, right? And to have Dest and Albin in the same lineup is suicidal, especially with with Busquets also out there. And so you almost want to, I don't know if now you just leave um, Amingetha and say to Dest, you know, the left side is yours to learn. I, I don't know, but I mean, something has to uh, happen to give this team some function. I mean, so like today, they got the ball and they would get it and dribble it and look and the spaces were uh, too large. And so they would uh, dribble again. And then, you know, passing by this uh, time, their uh, passing target was being covered by two Cadiz defenders. And that guy would get it and they would come in from behind. He would lose the ball and off would go Cadiz on the counter. And it happened time and time and time and time again. And it happened because there's no movement. There's no vision. There's no sense of how the team wants uh, to play. I mean, when... Real Madrid is uh, playing possession football better than Barcelona. There's something wrong, right? <laughs> yeah. And I think that what's wrong is it's now it's 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 it is Kuman, and I think that he has lost this team to an extent that if uh, Laporta doesn't act, and I mean now I don't care who you put in there, right? I mean stick a dead dog on the sidelines. I don't care at this point. I mean, you have to have someone there who is not. Uh, Ronald Koeman. Just have to. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Yeah, you have a lot of a lot of points there. I, I want to start. And it's almost all really connected and really telling to me that I I want to answer I, I want to answer you by starting to talk about the wings. But also, we just got done saying how you know Busquets playing ninety minutes three days uh, every three days is definitely a big problem in the middle of the field. We just got done with that, and then we haven't even begun to disparage Luke De Young yet in, in this. Oh, and now God. we're already talking about the wings. Yeah, yeah. Wait, wait. I'll, I'll give you a chance in a bit. But oh. I think with the desk point, I want to immediately get back that the what I thought about Monday. I feel like I'm gonna you know trying to do this twice a week. I'm gonna be a broken record in that. For Eric Garcia and Dest at the age of 20, in the in the position they are, where they're expected, quotes unexpected, to kind of be starters at Barcelona now, it's that if a new manager comes in and agrees with you and says, hey, Eric Garcia is way behind on 1v1 defending, and Dest still has so much to learn, right? They're done. Like, that's put a, put a knife in them. They're, they're finished because they're going to get replaced, and they're never going to have the not only the opportunities, but I don't know if behind the scenes, We've seen the same thing from a lot of players where when you're 20 years old, then you wind up falling out of favor. You wake up and you're 23 years old. Your contract is up and you're free agent or some other club, you know, whether it's Lazio or Nap right or Napoli or somebody is calling on the phone and asking for them to try to, re you know, fix you, get you off the bench because you're now 22 years old. But you showed some stuff when you were 19. And my fear with Eric Garcia and and Dest is that not that it's too soon for them but they're not going to get the proper direction in the very, in the moments, which is right now that they truly need it to be the players that I believe, you know, I'm a little, again, higher on Dest and Eric Garcia than I think than almost everybody else in our little Barca bubble. But I, sure. I, very, I may be very high on them, but I agree with all of you that if they do not improve the substantial things that us as fans can see that they need to improve upon, then they will be lost players and you cannot slot them in to our starting 11 of that, that ideal Champions League winning side in five years or three years or whenever, you can't slot them in there like you do on Araujo because of those huge things that need to improve. Where Araujo, if he gets better at playing the ball with his feet, great. But what he provides you right now 
is a skill that is good enough to start for FC Barcelona. Full stop. That's where we are. Now, the, I want to bring up Yusuf Demir now, too, because we've been talking about the wings. The wing play for Barca has not been good enough. Fati obviously is, can very, very well change that, even at 50%. His reputation yes. alone at 50% will draw space open for Memphis in the middle. And getting Luke de Young, you know, I, I almost laugh every time I say it, but he doesn't have to start. Put him on the bench. Memphis is the nine. Or Memphis is the left wing and, and Fati's gravitational pull is up top. Either way, regardless of what you do, I, do, I think we're going to have to figure out who's better in what position. But the, the answer is that Lute Young is better on the bench if Fati's on the field. And then Dembele on the right as well, being that winger, just you know creating space that doesn't exist in the way it's built. Because Yusuf Demir is a little bit of a different case, I think, than Des and Eric Garcia. That he, for him, it's just too soon. That's what I felt yes. like Demir today. He was sat out on the right wing. He's not naturally, uh, for Rapid Vienna, he even played at the 10. He didn't really play as a right wing. He played as this inverted winger in the Austrian division as a 17-year-old who was allowed to express himself. And then you put him in Barcelona where he's not really supposed to express himself too much because you can't give away the ball. Right. And then he's supposed to be out, wing, out, out, out on the right wing when he's not a winger with Mingetha, who's not an overlapping right back. So you're not putting an 18-year-old Demir in a place to succeed and with a reminder, too, that he was supposed to be the best player in the third division in Spain this year, not wearing the number 11 shirt for Barcelona. So I think it's very different where Des and Eric Garcia, you know, it, it feels too soon, but also has to be now. But for Demir, it was just it feels absolutely too soon. But it also you see the tools you see in those from the 35th minute to the 45th minute when he started to feel himself a little bit. You yeah. saw the skill, you saw the ideas, and you can see what happens when a manager empowers him when he finally has the confidence to know who he is in that team. And, and that's, I think, a big difference that Demir is just too soon. Well, for some of the other younger players, you know, it has to be now. It does. And see, my complexity with Garcia, I mean, it still has roots in uh, how the club dispensed with Atadibo. Right. I mean, when you watch, I mean, I'm forgetting for a minute about uh, the way he's he's balling at Nice right now. When you saw him at Schalke, uh, he was a leader who had pace, who had um, a quickness, who won balls in the air like his head was magnetized, who could play one on one. I mean, he had every last one of the skills needed. And what what happened there? I have no idea. But when you lose uh, someone like that and then you bring in uh, Garcia, and yes, he's lovely on the ball, right? Fantastic. So make him a midfielder because he's not a center back. He's small. He's soft. He's not uh, physical. He can't jump. He can't run. He's like, <laughs> you know, a, a pylon with arms. And I just... I don't rate him. And I think that he is farther away from being useful than Dest. But as you know, if not them, then who, right? I mean, yeah. Well, you know, I think that's the thing about the direction of, of the team that with prop, we see with Luis Enrique with Spain, like he makes, he makes Eric Garcia useful. And Garcia is a totally different player for Spain because he's useful. The ball is doing the work and, Eric Garcia can only play in a side when the ball is doing the work. And as you said, right. at the moment, Real Madrid is moving the ball better than Barcelona. And I can't believe I'm saying that on the Barcelona podcast, but that's true. And true. In, in a side where the ball is doing the work, Eric Garcia is quite valuable. I mean, Eric Garcia could be your best player when you're facing down Cadiz if everybody else is moving the ball as well. But as you said, when, when, when De Jong is taking too many dribbles, when even when Pedri comes back, when Pedri is trying to dribble his way into success, when 
You know, I think there are others who try to, there's others who are more excited to see Coutinho version 4.0 than me. Um, but <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a little, I'm a little out on Coutinho oh. to, say, to put that lightly, but I, I think even, even Coutinho in this squad there, there there's, it's no direction. And the idea where Coutinho and Memphis and Luke DeYoung, you can't possibly have all three of them on the field. And I feel like Kevin, you and I, and I think a lot of people too, we're not trying to put this savior complex on, on Sufati. He's not this kind of savior, but no. he's the player that Barcelona needs, not even from a goal scoring and assist. Yeah. If he scores five goals with four assists in 10 matches, like he started last year and he's looking great, he turns 19 at uh, the end of next month. So if he's looking 85% of even what he was, he's such a different player with what he allows Barcelona to do. Correct. Ideally, ideally, but that doesn't fix the counterattacking. That doesn't fix the midfield. It doesn't fix any of those things. But, you know, at what point, and well, I'll let you go on Kuma now because people heard from me early in the week that there, there's some point where you look at the squad and you say there are tons of injuries. Yes, there is a, a lack of Messi and a lack of <laughs> even Griezmann. There's a lack of talent. There was an exodus. They're a team in transition. They're very young. They started a back line against Granada of 18, 20, 22, and 20. What do we expect? Those things are all true, but in the same way, you and I have agreed that there is a shell of a third place Liga team. There is a shell of a, a round of 16 or a, a lucky round of eight side in the Champions League. That exists. And I thought for Kuman that, especially when they were playing that 3-5-2 last year and the team was kind of feeling itself a bit in the spring, that you had a shell of what that team is. But yeah, yeah please, please. Yeah, it's still on about the Ronald Kuman point. I mean, what happens now? Uh, well, right now he gets fired. I mean, I think that um, they'll have to eat the money. Right now it's a waiting game, right? I mean, um, he's waiting for them to fire him and uh, Laporta is waiting for him to quit. And what happens is the team gets worse and worse with every match. As I wrote yesterday, uh, they're not learning anything. They're not uh, developing anything. They're not showing anything. They're not looking like a team that has, has ever trained together. And, you know, um, people said, well, um, you know, give him a summer and then give him next season. You know, next season, I, I can't believe how much worse the team is now than it was at the end of next season. And it's not just that Messi isn't there. It's that there is no sense of anything. There's no structure. I mean, once you leave aside his tactics, which are to make his uh, players, ball carriers, right? Take the ball and run with it. Uh, once you leave that aside, there's nothing. Like, they're not uh, getting better at anything. And there's no system. There is no structure. If, if like, you're going to um, uh, cross the ball 54 times, right? Then do that every match, right? Make that your system. But right now, the team is uh, playing a, a different way every match. And so that's part of why nobody can look like they're been in because they're not. I mean, one day uh, the pie is the uh, point of the spear, you know, one day he's running around the wing and there's some, it's just like, and I mean, and, and De Jong has no business even being allowed to buy a match uh, ticket, never mind uh, being on the bench or a shirt. So, you just you you can't have this manager running this team for one day longer if they hope uh, to salvage anything from this season. I mean, there are people who think, well, he's 
uh, hanging on until Fatih and uh, Dembele come back. It'll be too late by then. I mean, uh, they've got, I think they're next. So it, it's like at Letty, it's, I mean, it's. Well, yeah, it's Levante, Benfica, and Atletico Madrid. And right, there's right. a huge, there's a huge breaking bar for the international break where if there's three points against Benfica and it looks like they're going to get second in the group, if they beat, you know, if they, if they lay the beat down on Benfica and they're clearly the better side. They and won't. then. Again, then against Atletico, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Kevin is saying they won't, of course, for the, for the, audio, for the audio visual. And then Atleti, right. And then the same with Atleti, that if you go on the road and beat Atleti in a commanding way, which they won't, it totally turns the narrative, right. But that's not going to happen. And I think another thing, too, that I was thinking with this match is, you know, the three that disappointed me the most in this match, while Ter Stegen was very good, and the reason why Barca got at least one point in this match, Memphis, Busquets, and De Young had their worst matches all at the same time. And that's why it was a 0-0 against Cadiz. And the thing about Memphis is the difference between not, I mean, obviously there's a big gap between Messi and Memphis. However, their, you know, their stats just on paper, when they're the number one option in their team, Messi to Barca and Memphis to Lyon last year were, were kind of comparable in that you thought with, with even more talented players around him that Memphis would, and he did actually rescue Barcelona now on two occasions against yes. Real Sociedad too, where he winds up getting points at Barcelona. Maybe we're going to have to share that said, Memphis today was the Memphis that we knew him to be. There's a reason why he was a free transfer to FC Barcelona in his prime, because when he is on, which he is on for 85% of the time, he can arguably be a number two offensive option on a really good team or a number one option on his day when he's really feeling himself. But he also has these performances and these have existed for his entire career. These off days and these off days, if Memphis is your number one guy, you're not going to get points that day. And Memphis, his, his touch was off. It just, you know, as much as I thought tactically with him getting in behind on one or two or three occasions with Coutinho and Busquets trying to find him over the top against Granada, I thought Memphis was having a much better day against Granada, except it just his teammates were not putting him in positions to succeed. Today, he was in positions to succeed. I think his teammates, I mean, Mengeza had a wonderful ball that I think started one of those progressions. Ricky Pouge had that, that really good ball as well to him that set up De Young to set up or whether it was Roberto, even someone, someone that we usually disparage <laughs> in Sergio Roberto or, or, or Ricky Boot or someone. And Luca De Young even ha- almost had that great assist into to, to Memphis. But Memphis just didn't bring his anything today. He, he brought his C game or his D game and he didn't finish. And Barcelona got no goals. And, and that's what's going to happen if you're basically your only option because Memphis, Messi papered over cracks and Memphis is going to, he can paper over cracks sometimes. But my question then for you is that once Fati comes back in theory, regardless of what shape he's in, I mean, from what we saw against Granada to today to even Real Sociedad, where is Memphis best and how would you use him in this in whatever is left of this squad? So when Fati comes back, I think that for me, you use you try him as a nine, right? You um, try him in the middle and you flank him with, I mean, uh, the best uh, Memphis we saw on the left wing. Yeah, the absolute best. Um, he is a creative. He's dynamic. He's focused. Um, he has a playing space. And then you have Dembélé on the right, and you have those three players who are all um, are quick, who all have very good shots, who all have uh, the ability to uh, create things from nothing. And I th- think you have a, a defensive nightmare uh, for an opponent. Now, without those. Two, I mean, I think Memphis would even work with um, 
the ghost of a, um, a Kunaguero as the nine, um, you know, because he just needs someone to play off. And right now he has no one to play off, right? I mean, when, when he had um, a Griezmann, uh, he was better uh, yeah. because there was someone to play off. When he's the guy, right, save us, uh, Memphis, that's not his ro role. And I don't know that he's he's ever in the right headspace for that. I mean, he's a uh, confidence uh, player. He's a uh, swagger player. He is a player who, when he, uh, he's a downhill runner, right? The better he uh, plays, the better he can play. And when you give him one or two clunky matches like he's had, then you start this downward spiral. And the challenge is going to be getting him out of that. And I don't know if if um, uh, Kuman once again, um, uh, bringing up that uh, deficiency is the right manager for that because he's not a, he's not a builder. He's a uh, destroyer. And he is a, you know, very hard edged, very firm. He's that, that traditional mister, right? He's just like, okay, um, um, my word goes and do this this way and be quiet. And that's not what a player like Memphis needs. It's not what this team needs right now. This team needs, strangely enough, a Aristo Valverde, a pragmatist to come in and say, okay, what do we got? Okay, let's fashion something workable out of th this jumble stuff that, um, uh, that we have. Um, aside from Valverde, when I think of who's available and, you know, firing Kuman, I don't know who's out there, right? I mean, there's nobody who I would say, okay, let's, let's, let's get, but you've got to get uh, uh, somebody in there because, I mean, he's doing way too much uh, damage. And I think that Memphis is playing the way he is. That's, that's, that's all a consequence, right, of just the way the team is right now. Yeah. As, as much as I hate to fully absolve Memphis, I think that the way the team is now, nobody is doing anything right or with energy or, or with um, real commitment. And that won't change un until Kuman's gone. Yeah. A, a name I actually want to throw out that I just, I heard today, somebody tweeted at me was Lucien Favre, who I didn't think of, but he is last in college job with Dortmund, but I didn't think of him. Right. And, you know, the other free agent out there, Antonio Conte, and, you know, obviously I would, yeah, I would no. rather, I'd rather eat, you know, flaming ice cream, I mean, flaming ice cream's good, but uh, I don't know what, I would rather eat, I don't know, raw onions or something than, than watch yeah. Antonio Conte on the sideline of Barcelona. Yeah, but no. yeah, listen, forever, I think, I mean, it, at least what it was, seeing that name was this reminded that like, I know we're saying, oh, there's no one out there, but also this idea that there's no one out there is, is kind of trite that if a manager does have some ideas and if someone is committed to the idea of getting the best out of Ter Stegen, PK, Orajo, Frankie de Young, Memphis, and Ansu Fati. I, I mean, I, I think I almost want to stop there because we don't know about the health of Dembele ever, 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 ever. So if you commit yourself to getting the best out of like those six players this season, because even yes, yeah. PK in the long term, of course not. But PK has been good this year and PK has been good enough partnering with Araujo to win you games. They've been solid enough at the back with yeah. their staying even behind them that that trio and Alba knows enough of the job of what to do <laughs> on the left. Yeah. And then you fill it in with Dest, Mingaitha. Again, Dest we've talked about before. And then Mingaitha, the same thing. Defensively, Alba, PK, or Alba, Araujo, PK, Mingaitha, um, with Ter Stegen behind them. That five, in theory, if, I mean, again, the Busquets question mark is the big one. But in theory, with Frankie de Young as well, adding that too, 
that combination of six players can can make sure that Barca does not concede enough to lose every match. Where as long as they're scoring goals on the other side, they can win yeah. the matches with that six combination, if you will. Yeah, me, me, and so don't forget that um, uh, Dembélé um, uh, played the whole season except that eight-day stretch. He had a minor hamstring twin, right? So he That's played true. the whole season, and he didn't um, break until he went went to the national team. And you know, my guess is that uh, Barcelona did not send one of their trainers with him when they should have, because I mean, you get with the national team, you fall into bad habits, but you do the same stuff the other people do. And with uh, someone who's been surgically repaired as he was, as, as many times he has, you can't do the same stuff as the other people. So, I mean, I think that, and this was a new part he broke. So we've got yeah. that. Well, I, I want to add to that this, too. That this new part. Iniesta actually, you know, as much as we say, oh, it's Dembele being Dembele. Iniesta had a long history of only getting knocks uh, after his, the injury he had in what, 20, was it 2010 or the one where he had to like struggle through, obviously. Yeah, it had to be because yeah. he played with the World Cup with a like a torn hamstring or something. But yeah, yeah. so other than that big injury that occurred at, at Barcelona, every time that he, he was, the reason why you, you bring up the FIFA virus was Iniesta. Iniesta would only get knocks with, and you know that Iniesta behind the scenes was not doing the wrong things, but yeah, he would no. just wind up doing the same things as all his Spanish teammates. And then he was always the one that would come back a little bit broken for a week yeah. or two. Always. No. Yeah. So it's, that's in defense of Dembele. It's not, it wasn't just, it's not about character or anything like that. Like it's, and yes, it happened to Iniesta all the time. Oh yeah. No, it's, it's I mean, and so I think that if you get right now, the biggest thing that the team needs is to have a way of playing a single way of playing a, I mean, football teams are sort of like their, their canine, right? I mean, you give them a job, right? Here's your job. Um, uh, Guardiola, uh, here's your job, right? Do this. Just do this. Don't mess with stuff, right? Do this. Uh, same thing with Luis Enrique, right? He's like, okay, your job is to get the ball uh, to those guys. That's it, right? Don't be thinking about stuff. Don't mess around. Just get the ball to those guys and we will win matches, right? Here is your job. This team right now doesn't have a job. And so that is affecting everything. And structurally, um, um, Kuma's team has always been a mess, structurally, right? The gaps are always too big you know the uh, spaces are always too wide but with healthy people like uh, with a, a Dembele right in the wing suddenly you can you know close those circuits with a Fati stirring about uh, you can um, uh, close those circuits right now you have all this talent right that's well suited that's set up uh, to play the exact kind of football that you know people want to see Barcelona play if you have this a manager was like no the main thing this uh, club will have to do is get over itself so when this new manager comes in wherever he is right you have to get uh, rid of all this nonsense that uh, you have to you know uh, play a certain way and do this and make the society across like, no you have to uh, play in the way that's most suited to the team that you have and let that manager do that because right now, I mean, Barcelona is not only a you know manager's uh, graveyard, uh, surrounded by the most expectant fan base in football with a uh, corrosive Antorno. It's it's also this uh, place where you come in expected to do certain things certain ways as manager, and that has to stop. 
Yeah. I mean, one of the questions I have uh, as we wrap this up is what is the best, I mean, and I think this is an indictment again of the, the current manager that what is the best version of Frankie de Young? I mean, we know that, I mean, there are, there are some distractors, but we've seen enough of Frankie de Young in a lot of, when he is good and you know that there's a player in there, but even after all these years at Barcelona, and it's only, it's only been three years, but that's especially this year in particular where Frankie de Young was so good against Real Sociedad. And he, I mean, he has been awesome at times. And then when he's not there, it's, it's like, what is the direction being given to Frank de Young? I would like to see, I'd like to be able to explain to somebody, oh, what kind of player is Frank de Young? What is his job in that system? And if I can distinctly tell you, well, he's going to make six to 10 runs in behind the defense. And here's what happens when he does that every match. When he, yeah. when he comes in and, and the forward or whoever it is, Memphis or Antifati, when they drop in and he comes in behind, but you know, there's always cover for that, for that risk. And he'll do that seven to 10 times, or he's playing a pivot. And you know that at least six to eight times, he'll set up where he is most comfortable defending near the right back. And he'll ping at least 12 diagonal balls over to Jordi Alba. And he'll, that's what he'll do. And that's the job he has, right? I want to be able to di- dis- distinctly say it's not just Frankie DeYoung like today. It, just, it looked like today he was a chicken with his head cut off and trying to shut down all the passing lanes. And he was trying to dribble himself out of trouble. He was trying to, he was trying to get himself set up where he was trying to dribble his teammates out of trouble. He was trying to set things up for Gabi when, in fact, Gabi probably could have done things on his own where Frankie's trying to dribble in the space that if you just give it to Gabi, he'll give it right back to you. He knows to do that. And then you can continue on your run. And it just, it just, I get the sense that as an interior, there's just too much for him to do. And even positionally where we say he's 24, is he, is he Barcelona's pivot when 33 year old Busquets finally leaves? Is he, or is he not? And we still don't know the answer to that. And I think that's a bit on the legendary status of Busquets and the manager's choice with him, but it's also that we, I just don't have a distinct answer of, of what the best version of him is in this Barcelona side. And if you don't have your best midfielder, because even Ped, Pedri someday may be the best midfielder in that trio or Igabi, whoever it may be. But at this moment, if the midfielder who is most in his prime, if you're not getting the best out of him and your whole system or tiki taka or, you know, I'm saying this all tongue in cheek, if yeah. all of that is not getting the best out of your best midfielder, <laughs> then, then it doesn't matter what you, what you rest, what Meskayum club or what, whatever you rest your laurels on. It doesn't matter if you're not getting the best out of your midfield in a team with the, again, the, the devotion to getting the best out of a midfield. It's, it's not going to work. So right now you, you can't have the best of Frankie Young when you have Busquets. You just can't. It's impossible. Yep. Um, and so what manager will say, okay, then Busquets has to sit. Right, not Kuman are the next one, maybe because it's obvious. I mean, my ideal to young is one much like uh, the player that uh, came from my ex. He is the man with the ball at his feet, he is liberated to make forward runs, to feed runners, um, to become this dynamic part of a motion offense, right? That uh, Barcelona, I mean, in many ways, Barcelona uh, did him as big of a disservice as they did to Dembele, right? In that they uh, brought him in as this one player and said to him, no, you're not that player anymore. You're this player uh, because that guy over there is already that uh, player. And so if you're uh, going to do that, then why the hell do you buy him, right? Why do you spend what, what, 85 million? Yep. 
uh, for a guy that are you going to use the uh, Ferrari to haul uh, lumber, right? I mean, you don't do that. So the best uh, De Jong is with, I would say, Nico and Gabi, uh, not even Pedri, right? Uh, Nico and Gabi, uh, because they're both ex expressive, dynamic, forward-thinking mids who never stop the ball. Yeah. Um, um, uh, Pedri, I love him, right? But he stops the ball too much. You need people who are going to keep the ball moving right. and be able to track back and fill in space behind him. Right now, you don't have that. And so you're not seeing the best and you won't until that happens. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in, in succinctly with, with De Jong, that's true. I think the criticism of him is that he doesn't dribble that he dribbles himself into, into the opposition, right? Or he dribbles himself into trouble. But that's because he's setting up farther up the field. So when he's going to turn and dribble with the ball, he doesn't have the same vision that you're, again, you're, you're minimizing what he does best, where he, as the pivot, he's always going to get the ball back. Ball retrieval is not an issue with Frank to be young. So if you let him dribble into that space as the pivot and, and always have interiors in front of him who are better in those close spaces, who are better at the one-touch ball, yeah, I think that brings the best out of him. So yeah, Kevin, I always have you on. And unfortunately, again, since the days of Valverde, when we started this year, you came on in 2017 and we've had Valverde, Kike Setti, and Ronald Koeman. So it seems like sooner than later, there's going to be a fourth coming in. Kevin. And Kevin, I would love to, you have to make sure and keep me honest that whenever there are good vibes and good things happening, that's when I have to have you on next. Well, our, there's a good chance I'm going to have you on next again when things are not so great. <laughs> Dark days don't just, you know, the sun will not come out just tomorrow, but one of these good days, we'll definitely have to have you back. Oh, very good. I'd love to have that. And look, I mean, I think that uh, brighter days are coming. You know, I think that yeah. once you get the two surgically um, prepared forwards back and once whichever manager makes the, for me, very obvious decision that, uh, Busquets and, and Jordi Alba shouldn't be playing in this uh, team anymore. I think you'll start to see a much better team. No, I guess the last question though, Kevin, about Busquets is it, it becomes a difficult side of what we don't see. We know how that, you know, we know that the egos in the locker room are one thing, but he's now the, now with Messi gone, he's the primary captain. Like I, I can, I can understand saying with Roberto, if you're benching a fourth captain, that's one thing, or what is he? He's actually the third captain now, Jordi Alba is yeah. the fourth captain. So if you're benching your third captain, Roberto, that's risky. And then PK, we know is being honest about, you know, I think PK chose not to start against Granada. Even he said, Hey, we play three times in a week. I can, I'm Gerard PK. I can't, I'm 34. I can't do that. So like, I think PK is allowing himself to be rotated. He's also the oldest of the bunch, but, yeah. but you know, Busquets is now the number one primary captain at FC Barcelona. Can you really take your number one captain? And I mean, what does that do to a team? It makes that team better. It makes that uh, group recognize that no one's sacred. Right. I mean, look at when uh, 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 Tino pulled Messi, right. He's like, okay, so we have better options, right? Sit. And Messi was angry, uh, but they won the match. I think that when you sit your main captain, you send a very clear message, which is get good or get gone. I mean, everybody knows, right? I mean, how Busquets right now is, is no secret. And people know that he's a captain because of tenure, you know? So I, I that that message, that action should not bother a team at all. Sit down, uh, take your gold watch, and um, uh, do a uh, shabby where you come in for like 10, 15, uh, 20 minutes, right, to see a match out, right, to make a small difference. 
And then the next season you go to herd you go, so you're going to do right. Just has to happen now. Yeah. I mean, he's Catalan, so likely wine is going to be involved in his future. Yeah. Uh, very likely. But, but yeah, I mean, it's his legacy is untouchable. I mean, of all of the ones yeah. we mentioned, and I think Alba's legacy has taken a hit, but Alba's going to retire as one of the all time greats. You're talking about that being Busquets, PK, and Alba, three players who are, I think Alba's a top, I had it, well, I have him in my list as top 50, but he's a top 50 player. Busquets is a top 20 player of all time. And PK, I mean, I'm talking on Barcelona, um, yeah. but I mean, Busquets revolutionized the defensive midfield position. There are so many players that exist because of Sergio Busquets. So his legacy is completely untouchable. And certainly, it, it even a Ronald Koeman, even a manager supposed to be as stubborn, a club legend like that, if he didn't have the say to, to sit down, as, as we call them, the sacred cows, I just I don't know what man does that, right? For even the ones who want Garcia Pimienta, how can you expect... Uh, uh, that kind of level, which won't that you're going to have Antonio Conte before you have Garcia Pimienta. I'm sorry, that's just how. Yeah, that's just how it works. That's the power structure of of of, of world football. Barcelona yeah. are not going to 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 bring in a. And people always use the Pep Guardiola promotion, but like you know, you're not they're not going to bring in a a name that has not taken a major team to a major trophy. That's, that's just no. not going to happen. So so no matter who it is, you'd have to hope that that manager is given enough where. I mean, for PSG to give Pochettino basically the green light to take Messi off in a game, I mean, when was the last time, right? right? When was the last time that happened? You're you're right. Like, I don't like Pochettino, and obviously, I I would be Team Messi in in that argument, but I totally understand how it how it benefits PSG in the long run. Completely, completely yeah. understand that. And and you're right. I, I don't know what manager is going to be emboldened. Of the list of candidates, even, I don't know which one is going to be emboldened to, to do the unthinkable and do the thing that they have to do. But until that time, you're absolutely right that they have to have courage is the word you always use, Kevin. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's I mean, that is what it is. And look, Messi wasn't good that match, right? He hasn't been really good since he's moved to um, uh, PSG. And frankly, there's a s- small part of me that says, nah, nah, right? Because I, you know, I feel like when uh, people leave, they're dead to me and I wish them nothing but the worst. And that's, my cold, dark heart doing that. But I mean, he got yanked because he wasn't good. And yeah, he got angry and he's not used to that. That's life. I think that, you know, Xavi uh, uh, took it the best, right? I mean, I'm sure that um, uh, Lucho sat down with uh, Xavi and said, look, this is where you are right now. And this is where I want to use you. And uh, you can still help this team. And Xavi said, Cool, right? I mean, I think that if you sit down with a Busquets right now and say, this is where you are, and you uh, show him his video, right? I mean, it seems to me that with that same talk, he nods and says, yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah. I bring him on for like uh, 20 minutes to close the match out. Sure, he can control a match still. If Barcelona yes. have possession, like, again, if the legs of Nico and Gabi and those young legs have worn down the... Because that's the that's the core of Barcelona that you see the academy still to this day is producing technically superior players still yes. technically superior players to other other teams in even La Liga you can win the Liga title with a technical acumen of the academy products that you're producing even a Ricky Puj is just better technically than pretty much every yes. player on Cadiz and so you can tire out and break down an opponent and if anything that's what I always said what Tiki Taka was that it wasn't just, you know, winning in this grandiose, like, how do you define that kind of style? Whatever. No, the Barcelona style is wearing your opponent down with a billion passes. And then when they're broken, 
you break through the lines, whether it's out on the wings, whether it's through the middle, and you also use superior talent that Barca, as an elite club, has spent major money on getting and bringing in, and you use that elite talent to put the ball in the back of the net. And that is the Barcelona way. And and you're absolutely right that when it comes to it's like the Gabis and the Nikos or whatever, let them wear down an opponent, and then Busquets, who is one of the best game managers in all of world football still, he still has one of the best brains and one of the best eyes and one of the best abilities to control a match. You do the same thing that, that Xavi did. You're right. That Xavi was that metronome, like late on, especially the younger listeners, you might not remember Xavi in 06, you know, 05 when he had some legs left to him and he was still in his mid twenties, but late on Xavi would come in for 15 minutes would just, an opponent that was down one nothing knew once Xavi came on the field, even at the age of 34, they had no shot because they yeah. weren't going to touch the ball. And that's what Busquets is. And you're right. That's what he should be. I, I, I feel like I haven't had enough of that conversation on this podcast. So I'm glad we did the Busquets thing now. But uh, Kevin, I'll give you the last word and then we're out. So the last word is uh, that Kuman has to go. And once he leaves uh, that very next match, you'll see a much better team. That's my last word. Yep. So that's it. Uh, also, make sure you check out Kevin on Twitter. Of course, just hit that link in the show notes uh, with his name in it. He is a, a better fellow than I am on Twitter because he remembers the tweet, which I think is better than me. So then uh, on Twitter and Instagram at the Barcelona pod for us as well. And then his blog is the Barcelona football blog. There's a lot of, uh, I mean, if you think that you enjoyed his his speech, it's his writing that really always has set Kevin apart. So uh, Barcelona football blog, head over there and read his longer pieces, more thoughtful pieces too. And then Patreon and Facebook group. And you, you know, the regular stuff here. If you're going to listen to the Barcelona podcast. Also, we reached 7,000 subscribers on YouTube. So thanks to everybody for that. And keep going over there for my match reviews where I basically do this, but condense it a bit and video format and all that stuff. So thanks so much for listening to the Barcelona podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. And you know, Visca Ansu Fati, I hope by the next time we talk and Forza Barca. <laughs> all right, guys, farewell. well.